Welcome to the Defence Forces podcast brought to you by the Defence Forces Public Relations Branch. Hello and welcome to the Irish Defence Forces podcast. My name is Captain Keen Clancy and today we're speaking to the Corps Sergeant for this year's Special Operations Qualifications course, on successful completion of which students become qualified to serve as an operator in the Army Ranger Wing. We're going to talk about Special Operations Qualification and what it takes to become a member of the Ranger Wing. So welcome on, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. So... Obviously, for, for people who don't realise at home, there's a there's an operation security element to the identities of members of the Defence Forces that are serving in the Army Ranger Wing. So my usual pattern of asking people to give us a bit of a bit on their background might be a little bit curtailed, but what can you tell us about your own background in the Defence Forces or how you've gotten on so far? I joined the organisation in 2007. Um, I went on selection course, which was Delta One, in 2010. And I've now spent 11 years inside the Irish Army Ranger Wing. Um, I started off like anyone else as a junior member in the teams and now I've progressed on to be a sergeant and team leader within the organisation. Well, so you really um, have a good idea of the, of the unit. I have. Yeah, fantastic. Um, like, we don't want to take it for granted for people at home that they necessarily know exactly what the Army Ranger Wing is, so would you be able to give us kind of an overview of what, what the Army Ranger Wing is and what, what it is for? Yeah, so people at home might know, but the Army Ranger Wing started out... Um, primarily as an anti-terrorism deterrent um, within the state. But it's now progressed. Um, we now do anti-terrorism. We do close protection. We do surveillance and reconnaissance. We have a number of different roles that we carry out for the Irish Defence Forces and the Irish state. Yeah, and I suppose for, for people, we would be, the Army Ranger would be the equivalent of other, of other countries, city SAS and that kind of thing in other countries. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we would be the special forces within the Irish Army. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and like for yourself, so obviously you, you joined the organisation in 2007 and like was it always an ambition to, to join the Army Ranger Wing or was it something you found out about when you came in or um, like what were your motivations for, for undertaking selection? I come from a family of soldiers and... No different than most um, young recruits, the, the platoon commander and the platoon sergeant took us up one day to the, the Irish Army Ranger Wing compound where we got a brief about the unit, what it does, its people, its different roles and tasks. Probably didn't make the decision that day that I was going to come up to the Ranger Wing, but then I was lucky enough in 2009 to be deployed overseas to chat. And while I was overseas, we ended up doing security in a place called Abesha. And while I was there, there was um, an Irish Army colonel serving, and he had a close protection team that was provided to him. And I didn't know who the people was, but I just remember one night going to a barbecue, and there was a, I suppose there was a, a chap sitting in the corner who had a beard, he had long hair, he had a rifle that looked totally different to the rifles we were carrying at the time. And I started asking some questions and I was turned to a few of my friends and I would have said, well, who's your man over there in the corner? And they said, he's a member of the Irish Army Ranger Wing, Special Forces. Um, and that was it. Well, that's what I want to be. I had already got the briefs on what to do. I've now seen him overseas. And I thought to myself, right, need to start training now for this. Yeah. And then what I done was I went back to Gosbeda um, I started talking to some of my colleagues that were there at the time and I asked any of them, well, have you been down in selection? Um, what's it about? What happens? And I started to gather information on it. My platoon commander who was there at the time had gone down and had passed selection. So I sat down with him and spoke to him, talked about, talked about the different tests and the different tasks 
that would be before me if I went down on the selection course. So then I started having an idea, right, well, this is what I'm going to have to do to train for it. Um, at the time, we had a 10K run was included in the selection course. So I started upping my running. I started doing battle runs around the camp. And I just started mentally preparing myself for coming down on the course. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, I suppose from the perspective of organising, say, your training and that kind of stuff, the Army Ranger Wing Selection Course and, and Special Operational Qualification is accounted the, the toughest course that the Defence Forces offers. Like, it is the it is the sort of pinnacle of physical and mental endurance and, and you also end up training with, and we're going to talk about the skills and the different equipment and that kind of stuff that you end up using with, with what we can speak about. But, like, how did you organise your training to get to that level? Were you always kind of sporty enough or were you always into training or did you have to really sort of do a huge amount of work? Or I played sports but never at a high level. And I suppose I, when I asked the questions about what I needed to do to pass the selection course, I geared my training around that. So I knew, for instance, you had to do your fitness test to a high level. So I trained my fitness test. I knew you had to do the 10K run and it had to be under a certain time. So I made sure my 10K run was under that certain time. Some of the mountain walks, like um, the four-man half-man, people mightn't be too familiar with it, but one of the tests on the course is called the four-man half-man. It's a walk in the Wicklow Mountains. It's about 17 and a half kilometers, carrying a certain amount of weight within a certain time frame. So I drove every weekend to the Wicklow Mountains, and I done the walk um, a lot of the time on my own. And I made sure that I was under the time frame that I needed to be to pass that test. And as I got fitter and stronger... What I would do then is I would split my day up and I would do one test in the morning and then one test in the afternoon. So I would have made myself tired and then went out and done another test to make sure I was able to pass that test within a certain time. So you were to pass it under duress. Like, so you, I mean, like, I've, heard some, I've heard from people that have gone down that it's all very well to be able to do something while you're fresh and while you've, you know, like, you've trained. We, we, we recently recorded a podcast on military fitness and we were kind of discussing at one point people training for... for ARW selection and, and soft cue and the idea that um, and the difference between them and say a, an athlete who's like say an Olympic athlete who is trying to be the best for one race in a certain time whereas with soft cue you need to be able to pass the test while physically degraded that's what catches a lot of people out and if there is anyone listening going to come down in our selection course what happens is a lot of the times people will go out and they will do a training session one day Happy with that, training second session the second day. Happy with that, training second the third day. But what they don't allow for is how tired they're going to be on our course and how they might have done some physical training before they ever go and do the test and the assessment. So you need to train smart. They do maybe the four-man half-man, I have mentioned it already, and then they might take a recovery day the next day when they're training. But that's not... What's going to happen when you're on the course? There is no recovery days. Yeah. So you need to be able to go do the four-man half-man and get up and be ready to go training again the next day or to be fit enough that if we'd done the four-man half-man again on the next day, that you'd pass it. And then on the next day, you'd pass it. Yeah, so it's a real, it, you really have to be geared towards just endurance and, and like, you know, that kind of robustness. So just to, move, to like lead on from that and the kind of training that you were doing to get yourself there... The first, say, 24 hours when you go down as a student, like, I mean, I mean, I know, and I think it's, for some people outside, there's a bit of mystery surrounding the course, like, and obviously you have to maintain a certain amount of surprises, I'm sure, but like, broadly speaking, what can you expect over those first 24 hours? We have to 
assess students to make sure they actually want to be here and down on our course. So we make the first 24 hours difficult. And it's just, I suppose, if I'm totally honest, is to weed out the people that have just come down for the look. Um, we need the people that have thought about this for months, have trained hard, and for them, the first 24 hours won't bother them. So it is difficult. It's not easy. It can be a shock to people, especially if they haven't come down, especially for young members of the organisation, if they haven't come down and maybe attempted the prelim course, the first time to walk in the gates and come in and line up and stand there. We've had people RTU out in the square before we ever bring them in near the compound. Um, we have people RTU within RTU, actually, if I'll explain it, it's return to unit. Um, we have had people RTU within five minutes of coming inside the gates at a compound. And I think it's just they've overthought everything within their head and they fear what's going to come. But what I'd say to people is everything has an ending. Yeah. There's always a breakfast, there's always a lunch, there's always a dinner, and there's always time to eat it. And that's how I would have went through my course. Um, I knew we had to go up to the cookhouse to sit down and have our food. So I sh set myself short-term goals, and that's how I kept myself going through the course. That's, that's actually fascinating, nice and like that you were just focusing on something as as simple as that. And did you find, say, when you in your experience, when you were doing doing the course, especially those initial two weeks, I know the whole course is very physically demanded, but those initial two weeks are designed like that as well. They're at such a high pace. I, correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is as I understand yeah, it. Yeah, so, so my course, we would have spent nine or ten days within the compound um, carrying out a, lo a load of different tests. And then we would have moved to some mountain range and we would have carried out two weeks of operations training. Now the course has evolved, it's modulized. So the first, maybe potentially a week of the course, there are certain tests you need to pass and then you will move on and you need to carry out 10 navigation assessments, which are usually done on a mountain range here in Ireland. Yeah. Right, so and uh, yeah, so that's part of the first. But I suppose what I wanted to get at as well was that did you find when you were doing those initial few days, initial tests, and that you were just you were in a little world of your own, as you say, just focusing on okay, get to lunch, get to dinner, do the test, and you were kind of like very focused in that way. Yeah, I was. Um, so as I said to you already, I've set myself short, a short term goals all the time, and I was just, I suppose, happy to be still on the course every day. Every morning I woke up and I was still on the course. I was happy. It's difficult because you could get friendly with the person that's beside you and all of a sudden an hour later he's gone and the man that's on the other side of you is gone as well. To pass the course you need to be able to work as a team but it's also very individual and, and there lies the problem. Within my head I was always thinking I'm always passing this course. I knew that there was people beside me and you always help your buddies and all that kind of stuff but at the end of the day I'm here to pass the course myself. I, I suppose for me, there was never a day on the course that I didn't think I was going to pass. I was just afraid that the instructor staff would get rid of me. So you have to work hard and perform hard and you have to show yourself um, to the instructor staff that you're the type of person that they want. And that could be just something so simple as helping someone or showing leadership. And leadership comes in many forms. It, it can be just a simple thing of making sure the bathroom is cleaned in the morning before the, st the staff come in or mopping the floor 
or being the first person to pick up the sweeping brush. And if you do those little things and you do them right, you usually will get on very well um, because lads like to see proactive young members just standing out, working hard and being positive. I suppose in a, in a very pressurised environment too. Like I so, said, I mean, that's a challenge in itself. So we, we might start talking a little bit about, say, the... Like, I know that the course is broken down broadly, the current course, into four modules. But we might talk a bit, for people listening in, about the sort of skills that you're going to be taught on selection and on soft cue that, say, go above and beyond the skills that you would gain as part of a crew course or a cadet course or, or, or your other kind of career courses. Okay, so it's the course is five modules. Oh, five. Oh. It's five modules. There you are. No. <laughs> um, between 43 and 45 weeks. And within that, our students learn a lot. We teach weapons. Okay, um, we have a number of different types of weapons within the ARW that are used for different roles. So the students all have to be qualified on these, and not just qualified, they have to be proficient on these weapons as well. So we do a lot of shooting practice, which is all incorporated within the course. We also teach medical signals, TEO, which is technical exploitation operations. We teach anti-terrorism and counter-terrorism. We teach driving, we teach gunnery, and we teach all this within the five modules. Okay, and like, say, if we were to sort of, so obviously, and I think we discussed this in the, in the initial meetings on, on doing this show, like shooting is something that goes throughout the whole thing. You're, you're constantly practicing your shooting to an extent that, that a lot of the members of the Defence Force is like a much higher, le- higher degree than you would typically do outside of the, of the unit. As regards, like, say, can you go in a bit more and say that, uh, say that TEO or that, those kind of various aspects? I mean, what is involved in those? What, when we say, for someone at home who doesn't know? Well, TEO is something small in the, in the big picture. So I suppose why we train it is that our students are trained to assault a building, rescue any hostages that may need to be rescued, but also gather intelligence. So TEO is basically intelligence gathering. So if you look at laptops, mobile phones, SIM cards, newspapers, articles, all that stuff needs to be gathered up, pictures, maps. That's the TEO element of the training. Okay. So we gather all that information, we take it back, and we hand, over, hand it over to the relevant agencies to go more in-depth and to build a picture and to maybe plan for future operations. So I've discussed the modules of the course and the five modules, but basically what it all comes down to is we teach the students the four pillars of SOF, which is move, shoot, communicate, and medicate. Moving in unnatural terrain, shooting in an unnatural environment, communicating within the team, and being able to medicate and look after your body. That's what we teach, and that's what it all comes down to. But we do a lot of it. We do a lot of shooting. We spend a lot of time on the range. We take the students from shooting their pistols all the way up to shooting their HK four one sixes. And like as as regards say equipment as well, just kind of so like the type of equipment that say and and you're here you're here in front of us, um, kind of in the middle of of conducting a course. Like so, you have your gear on you. The gear that you would use is different from say the gear that I would use on an operation or the gear that I would be issued. Um, like can you can you go into that with us a bit? Like why that is and what the functionality is and that kind of thing. Yes, we do. We do have different types of kit and equipment, but we we do different roles than most people do within the organisation. We 
carry out MCT training, maritime counterterrorism training. We train air insertion. We have dive teams where speed and mobility, it all adds up. We have different night vision yeah. than what you might see within the rest of the defense forces. With the different night, night vision comes maybe a different helmet that has to be worn. Our weapons are different to maybe what soldiers would be using. But we have these weapons for and they're used for a certain purpose. We have lasers attached to them. We have IR lasers to co- that goes along and complements the night vision. Yeah. So there's a reason for us to have this equipment for the various roles that we may be tasked to carry out. Yeah, yeah. And like, so like the, some of the classic images that you'd see of rangering personnel um, would be, say, with, with say like a breaching, breaching or that kind of thing, you know, with the frame and the, the explosives in the end of the frame to breach through doorways and that kind of stuff. Like, as regards kind of training and, and, and things like that, can you kind of go into, like, what, like what's that experience like as well and bringing people from a level of, say, where they might not have done anything like that before to being, like, proficient at it and, and, and qualified to, to do it for real? Um, so what you're referring to there is actually called EMOE, so it's Explosive Med Inventory, um, and we train this. We have an EOD team that's assigned to the unit and attached to the unit, and they provide that capability to us. And all it is is just another way of getting to where we need to be. Yeah. Um, so what you're talking about there maybe is that we have moved to a location and we need to maybe gain entry to a building, maybe to rescue a hostage. But the door needs to be breached. And maybe the best way to do that is by use of explosive metal of entry. And like, how does it say, how does that, because I can remember doing like FIBA training myself and like when, when something like that, you'd be stacked up beside the beside the door and that kind of thing. And then there's obviously a close quarters element to it as well, to that kind of training as well. Yes, yeah, so we're currently training that at the moment here with our students. They, they set up, the EOD team come up and they will put the breach on the door and they will initiate the breach. And then the students then at this case are on then. So they move forward, they make entry into the room and they deal with whatever threats that are needed to be dealt with inside the room. And then there's a lot of added pressure that goes with that. It's close quarter battle training. It's shooting in a small environment and distinguishing friendly from foe. And then to make it even harder then we do it at night and we're in night vision and all the added pressure that goes along with that because your tunnel vision with your night vision. So you have to keep track of where you are, who's with you, is everybody safe? And like as regards to conducting sort of a, an operation like that, like, I mean, there has to be, you have to be motivated, you have to be, there's a certain amount of aggression involved, but I presume there's a certain amount of, there's a huge amount of control that has to be exerted and skill as well so that you don't end up, you know, causing, causing any kind of friendly fire or that kind of a thing. So an old saying that you hear being thrown around a lot in special operations is slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So what we look for is control from our students. And my students would be currently at a level now where stress probably isn't a factor. It's more making sure they deal with whatever obstacles that we've put in front of them to deal with. But doing it, as I already said, calm and controlled. And if needed taking that shot and rescuing the hostages that are within that building so like if you were to summarize say what you do on the course as in like where people go like uh, what, what would you say yeah so i talked about the five modules um but what i'd also like to discuss with you is that we do have a high performance program within 
the Army Ranger Wing. So we have a high-performance team. So while we're training the students, they're also looking after the students and taking someone from maybe the start of when they join our unit and training them all the way uh, to be a high-performance tactical athlete. And wh whilst that's happening, we're also taking a member of the organisation and we're training them from the level that they were at and bringing them all the way up to a level where they're now an operator within a team, within special forces, who potentially could be qualified to insert by air, land or sea to carry out operations, either on island or off island. Yeah, and like we, we've discussed before, so hopefully down the line we might, we might be able to get you back to talk about, say, those different insertion techniques via air and via, via sea and that kind of thing. But I suppose what, what, we, what we might just go into now is the kind of advice that you would give to, say, if there's a young person out there in a unit around the Defence Forces, because you do have to be a member of the Defence Forces prior to um, going down on Army Ranger Wing, Special Operations Forces, Qualification Courses and Selection Courses, um, like, what would you be saying to those people, um, or even to people who are, like, coming to the end of, say, the Leaving Cert or a college course and are thinking of joining the Defence Force with a view to eventually undertaking um, joining the ARW? First of all, what I'd say, and, and I, asked, I get asked this a lot, actually, believe it or not. So I've been asked a question before by personnel within the organisation is, how do I motivate myself to come down on the selection course? Well, what I'd like to say, I suppose, to the greater audience is, if I have to tell you how to motivate yourself to come down the selection course, you're probably not in the right frame of mind to come down and try it out at that time. I would also like to say that if it was me, I would gather as much information on the selection course. So talk to people that maybe have served or that people that are trying out for the selection course again who have been down before and gather up as much information about the testing, the day-to-day -day running of the course, some of the walks, some of the navs, maybe what happens in the evening time, lectures, things like that, and just get as much, build up as big a picture as you can for yourself so that it shouldn't be too much of a surprise to you when you do come down on the course. And like as well, for, for people um, thinking of coming down, I think it's important to say there is a prelims course as well that people should go down on that, where you can get information that'll help you. Yes. So the prelim course for this year is over. It's already been ran, but it is, I would say to anyone that has never come down on selection course, um, come down on the prelim course. You will get an, a, an overview of the course. You will be shown some of the tests that you will have to carry out on the course, and you will do some of those tests. So you'll have a fair idea of where you're at at the time. You will also get to talk to the human performance team, and they can help program you for the course. So I would definitely advise coming down on the prelim course to anyone that hasn't been down with us before but you need to train hard and that's what it's all about and what you will fall back on on the course is your level of fitness so the fitter you are coming down on the course the better chance you have of passing the course and what that means is training every day sometimes twice a day so if you're planning on going on a walk on a saturday morning and you decide to go out on a friday night and don't go on that walk you're probably not going to pass our course. But if you're the type of person who is intrinsically motivated enough that when they plan to go on a walk with a couple of their friends on a Saturday morning and on Friday evening, their friends go out in the beer and they don't, and they still go doing the training on their own, I think we're the place for you. And what I'd like to say is if you're interested and willing to train 
we are probably the unit for you. Fantastic. And, and for people as well, there are programs available as in that, that people can take away. I've, I've seen some of the PDFs before, where, which are very detailed and will give you a place to go from, from almost scratch to like build up and will put you in a position. I think that there is a program that leads of a certain duration that leads right up to the qualification course, which normally takes place in, in the autumn. Yes, so the course is not hidden anymore. If you are a member of the organisation, a serving member, if you go on to military.ie, and if you go on to the members area and click on the link for the Army Ranger Wing, you will find everything you need. You will find that program, you will find the tests, you will find the assessments, you will find some routes that you can train on to navigate. It's all on dates, especially for the prelim, upcoming prelim courses. It's all online. Fantastic. So there's some great resources there. And no, that, that's brilliant. Thanks very much for coming on to the show. That was a really fascinating insight. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that have been thinking about undertaking the course that have found that really, really interesting. So, so thanks very much for coming on. No, thank you for having me. Um, and I suppose I'd like the reason I came on here is because we want people to come down on selection course. So if I get to get the message out there, I'm happy to help. Yeah, 100%. As you said to me earlier, the Army Ranger Wing is open for business and wants to see people. Yeah, so... We are. We're open for business. We need new operators in the Army Range Wing, and we want members of the organisation to come down the selection course. Fantastic. Good to hear. For further information on the Irish Defence Forces, check out our social media channels and military.ie. Serving members are also encouraged to check out the members area of military.ie. As we stated earlier, information on how to apply for the Army Range Wing and Special Operations Forces qualification courses is also available on the members area of military.ie. The Irish Defence Forces podcast is available on Spotify, Acast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode was produced by Corporal Keith Harrison of the Defence Forces Audiovisual School. The Irish Defence Forces podcast will be back soon with further episodes. Until then, thanks for listening and stay safe.